This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's have a visit with community reporter Louise Levesque-Burley in New Brunswick. Hey, good morning, Louise. Good morning, Dave. And how are you today? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? Oh, fantastic. Can't complain. There we go. That's what we like to hear. Louise, let's start with an update on a story you brought us last time we spoke. You had been denied access at a PEI motel for having a guide dog. What's the latest? Well, the latest, I had a 25-minute conversation with the Director of Strategic Initiative Tourism of PEI. Um, The strange, odd thing that he told me during that conversation was he had, he's been there 35 years, and he had never had anything like that land on his desk. Now, he said maybe Um, It's never happened or it has happened and no one ever did anything about it. Uh, During our conversation, um, he did mention some of the types of training that they do uh, for hospitality industry. And um, he looked on the website. It's a company that they contract out. However, Dave, to my amazement and his... There was no component component of guide dog training. Mm. Uh, so uh, he said he would give uh, my name to the CEO of the company, um, and then they would be in touch with me or CNIB. And um, but as you know, right now on the island, uh, it's very uh, touchy, and they're cleaning up from. Fiona. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can't expect my situation uh, to be top priority at this time. But he did say, let's stay in communication. uh, Because he said, you know, um, if you brought it forward, then it is an issue. Louise, obviously, we understand that that the cleanup from Fiona is still a big, big pressing issue on the island. Oh, I mean, yeah. people without yeah, power for, for sure. weeks on end. So we understand. That said, we also know people can walk and chew gum at the same time. Where where <laughs> do you hope this goes from here? I know you've done some consulting work on this file before, doing some guide dog awareness training. Is this something that you would potentially want to do in conjunction with this third party in PEI that offers some of the training on the island? Well. Yes, it would be something I'd like to do because I know that, I don't know if you heard in the news, but there was another guide dog issue at the airport uh, in Toronto. So Mm -hmm. there is definitely more education, more awareness, more sensitivity that needs to be done. And it should not be so in 2020, Dave. Like, come on. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, we're not starting with guide dogs. Like, we're, 
<laughs> this has been for years, you know? It's uh, it, it, uh, The frustration, Louise, is something that almost every guide dog handler I talk to, they experience yes. this in some way, shape, or form, yeah. whether it's an yeah. airline, whether it's a hotel, whether it's a restaurant, yeah. whether it's a store, whether exactly. it's an Uber. And the education yeah. component is so important. But I think what's happened here, Louise, unfortunately, some of the uh, – now, I know I'm about to walk into very dangerous territory here. Some of the conversations around support animals has really muddied the waters – and it almost doubles it doubles yeah. the importance yeah. of expressing yeah. what a service animal is and what a yeah. guide dog is in relation to a support animal. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, what is the identification of a support animal versus a guide dog? There's so many little intricate interviews. And that's why I encourage people to self-advocate. And if you're not able to do it like knock at somebody's door that can help you do mm -hmm. it because it's so important if we do not advocate our challenges whether it's a guide dog or anything related to blindness or low vision well, how are people going to know? That's right. That's right. And it shouldn't be rocket science. It shouldn't be that no. hard to understand. But it does require consistent messaging. And it does require almost centralized places where folks can go. So, Louise, please keep us posted on this one because it's a really, certainly will. really important story. And we thank you for the advocacy work that you're doing on this. Louise, speaking of really important stuff, Bill C-22, <laughs> Bill C the Canada Disability Benefit. We've talked about it from a couple of different angles on this show, but you wanted to make mention of an event that took place on Parliament Hill in support of the Canada Disability Benefit. So who were some of the local organizations taking part from the New Brunswick point of view? Well, the main organization that um, did, it, it was a rally. It was a Zoom rally because mm -hmm. of the weather. And um, there was 35 of us uh, with this different disability that participated. It's the Disability Without Poverty mm -hmm. support group that we got together. Uh, and at the same time in Ottawa, this was launched at one o'clock everywhere where they were doing it. And um, there was phone calls to the MP. I made phone calls for an hour and some people preferred to email or text and we blasted the MPs on the situation. And uh, when I called the MPs, it was amazing, Dave. <laughs> I thanked them because the day before, October 18th, the C-22 had been passed to a committee. Mm -hmm. What that means is that now they're going to create the bill C-22, all the logistics and details. Then they're going to march over to the Senate. And of course, the Senate is ready to uh, pass it because they agree with the Canadian Disability Benefit Supplement. So um, now in saying that, it doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow morning. No, of course not. The rally was to push before Christmas. Uh, there's the, at October 19th, it was 40 days before Christmas, and they wanted at least to bring it somewhere before, uh, you know, so that the committee doesn't sit on it for another two to three years. That's right. Uh, you know, so, so, and, and, 
maybe I'll just say this sentence for those that do not know what I'm talking about with the Canadian disability benefits is if you're receiving social services or CPP sick benefit, let's say your amount is 700 a month. Well, if the Senate, all the details of the committee that they created, uh, say, okay, we're going to go with 1500 a month, then you would get the supplement to bring you up to 1500. It's saying that there is no amount yet determined. The details and logistics are not done. That's the committee's uh, a challenge to, to develop. Yeah. So, even even beyond the committee, Louise, it has to go through the provinces as well because because exactly. the, the federal government needs to ensure there's not going to be provincial clawbacks because that's what yes. happens with so much provincial disability support right now is that, yeah. oh, you made a little bit of income? Well, we're going to claw back some of your supports. What Carla yeah. Qualtro, the federal minister for disability, is trying to do here is, one, create a framework at the federal level Two, through committee, figure out more fine details, who's eligible, what the amounts might look like. Yeah. And then yeah, three, exactly. having to go to, through the Minister of Intergovernmental Affairs, Dominique Leblanc, and start working with the provinces to say, listen, you cannot claw back money off the provincial supports if we give this money. L Louise, I, I, we've talked about this on the show with a lot of different contributors, and we will again mm -hmm. next week with Marco Pasqua and Elizabeth Moeller. But I'm curious, from your perspective, your feeling on the importance of a benefit like this? Well, the importance is that you know, now this is personally is not going to apply to me because I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah, me either. Me either. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, uh, it's important because I see my friends who live in poverty, and you know they do without. They do without. Uh, as we know, everything is going up, uh, has gone up in power and food. And so they live in poverty. They don't have drives to go to food banks. Um, you know, I'm helping two neighbors because they can't meet the food yeah. every month. Yeah. So, it, I mean, there is, it is something very serious uh, and it needs to be dealt with uh, federal and provincial and uh, once the provincial has their funding for this program, then, you know, we're going to pound their doors. Yeah, yeah. And to make sure that it's carried out, like, even though I, it's not a benefit to me, uh, that's fine. It's so critical. It's so critical. It's so critical for so many people who are struggling. Louise, you, you mentioned the economic circumstances that a lot of people are feeling right now. But we know yeah. when it comes to these issues, disproportional. Yeah is the word when we relate it to disability, that people with disabilities yes. are disproportionately impacted. So we just had some numbers come out last week from Food Banks Canada saying that we're looking at food bank usage levels higher than 2019. We had more data come out yesterday wow. from researchers in Saskatchewan saying we're looking at the most food bank usage since 2016, which was the peak of food bank usage in Canada. We wow. also just had some information come out from Equifax today about Canadians carrying record amounts of credit credit card balances month over month, over $2,000 yes, yeah. and $21,000 in total of unsecured debt. Louise, the, the economic situation is quite dire for people right now. Absolutely. And again, disproportionately impacting people with disabilities. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, it's not fair in this darn age that disabled people have to do without. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, exactly. It's disgusting. 
Yeah. Totally disgusting in my book. Louise, let's uh, go on to the other <laughs> thing that we we sometimes rib you about a little bit. It's the retail therapy we do to get over the disgusting times that we live in. <laughs> and you engaged in some here, but this was very, very pragmatic and practical from the Braille store. A personal emergency kit. So I want to know what's included in the kit, but I also want to know what maybe drove you to hit buy on this one. Well, uh now, we've been fortunate here where I live. We did not lose power with Fiona, only two minutes, so it's not worth mentioning. Anyway, um, but I, I, when we lived in Nova Scotia, we had lots of shortage of power and days on days. So I created my own personal kit, um, emergency kit, and you can buy some, but there was stuff missing. You know, the, there was stuff missing for um, my guide dog. You know, the, there was no toys in it. Mm. Um, uh, there was, um, for example, lighting. It was candles that you lit with a lighter. Well, forget that for a blind person. So I went out and bought uh uh, solar lanterns. I bought a whole bunch of tea lights and we used to put them all around the apartment. And um, because don't forget, although I'm blind, you live with sighted people, number one. Number two, the dog needs to see where mm -hmm. he's going. Mm -hmm. Other people coming in need to see where they're going. And then for food, it's water that you need a lot, a lot of. Um, so I keep three large jugs of water on hand that I put in my water machine all the time. Uh, in case of when you know something is going to happen, then you can even freeze some water. Yes. So, you know, it, it unthaws a little bit at a time, a little bit. And then for food, there's snacks. But if you want to eat healthy, you can't cook. There's no power. What about um, we bought protein powder, vanilla and mm -hmm. chocolate. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you need your vegetables. So we bought organic green powder. Um, and you just mix that with water. Uh, the, the protein powder is a meal. Uh, you get your vegetables. You can mix it all together and drink it. Um, you know, you can make snacks ahead, healthy snacks, if you know something's going to happen. Because in Nova Scotia, like we were like almost two weeks one time. Oh, uh, my gosh. Uh, so, and there was no money. So keep some money in the emergency kit. Like we, we live the, the experience. It doesn't mean that you have to keep a lot of money, but like keep anywhere, if you can, 60 to 100, because you can run and maybe get some uh, hot coffee somewhere. That's right, right, yeah. Out, you know, that kind of thing. So it's not because you're going to go for a grocery, but you can run and get a few things that may be a loaf of bread uh, That's somewhere. Right. That's right. You I mean, know, and peanut butter and, and jelly, like, come on, that makes a meal. Yeah, right. I mean, that, that's it, Louise. What did, what did we learn during the Rogers outage earlier this year, right? That it's, exactly. not, it's not just about power. Sometimes it's telecom outages and having cash on that day was a very, very useful thing as even some of the banks weren't spitting out uh, money at the exactly. ATMs. Exactly. And then the banks, you know, they're not as efficient as they used to be. Like it took two days for our bank, even though we didn't 
lose power that much to operate the ATM. So, um, you know, and, and charge, keep your iPhone charge at all times, you You know, that's your way of communicating. Um, Portable chargers, portable chargers, Louise, they're not, they're not very expensive. You can get them at Biro Angro or Staples for like 10 bucks and they can charge your phone three or four times. And there's even some, there's even some that are a little bit better. They even have like power outlets on them. They can have like a day's worth of power. Now those are a little more pricey, but depending on your needs, like for example, if you use a ventilator or some kind of, or some kind of like sleep apnea machine, those are ones that if you keep yourself uh, with those kinds of power banks, they can be really, really beneficial as well. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, so you, what I did is what do we need in a day? What do we need in five days? And that's how I developed the my personal yeah. uh, emergency kit. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's different for everybody, but at least some ideas that you know, you can put into it. Yeah. And after five days, we're in a Mad Max walking dead scenario. So then it's just the apocalypse <laughs> and that's just a different, that you can't plan for that. That's just, you know, no, you can't <laughs> not plan for that. So Dave, I just want to let everybody know November 29th is my last uh, AMI uh, for this year. And so it'll be a Christmas one. Okay. All right. That's it. So, we're, so you know what I'm going to declare this November 29th. That's when Christmas celebrations start on now with Dave Brown. All right. You had me scared for a second there, Louise. I, I thought you were going to say it was your last appearance. I was like, that, no, I didn't, no, I didn't no, get no, that no. memo. I was going to send Marianne a really snarky email. Be like, you got to tell no, me about these things. No, 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 no. Uh, Louise, you're the best. Thank you for this. Thank you, Dave. Have a great, great month. That's Louise Levesque Burley, community reporter for us out there in New Brunswick. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.